is our anniversary and our first fellowship Sunday. Now, <clears throat> fellowship is not just something we do for fun. We're going to look at that uh, as a biblical doctrine this morning, as a biblical teaching. Fellowship is something that we actually do. Uh, it's something we need to do as the children of the living God. And so as we look at this this morning, we're, <clears throat> we're going to try and take some things on. But of course, fellowship is much more than us just getting together for a meal. That, that's a nice expression of it, but it's just much more than that. We want to look at it in a deeper way today, and, and we want to ask the Lord to give us wisdom and help us to understand. First John 5, 7, it's up on the screen for you there. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Aren't you glad? In him is no darkness at all. No sin, no hint of sin. Uh, nothing like that at all. In him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. <clears throat> and do not the truth. We've got to face that in ourselves. You know, if we're not walking with God, we're, if we're in sin, we're not walking with God. Uh, and we can kid ourselves on sometimes, can't we? There's something between us and God, and we, we know there's something between us and God, and we don't deal with it. We're just kidding ourselves on. We're not really walking with him at all. And that creates confusion in your own life and problems in your own life. But look what it says in, in the last verse. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Now, walking in the light would be the same as walking in the Spirit. Walking with God. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The fellowship we're talking about today is not just us getting along with each other because we have similarities. It's not just, you know, uh, us getting along with each other because we know each other. The fellowship that we're talking about today is fellowship of people that walk in the light together. Fellowship of people that walk with Jesus together. Fellowship of people that walk in the Spirit. Now, not putting an expectation on you that you can't fulfill. Every believer, every child of God can walk in the Spirit. That's God's plan. And you say, well, I'm not even saved. I've just come here as a visitor. I've, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior yet. Well, you know, listen, you can today. You can trust Christ as your Savior, and you can walk in the light today. You can walk in the Spirit. So, so, so we need to understand that if we're going to have real fellowship, we need to walk in the light. Somebody said this, and um, you've got to get your head around it. Uh, when there's a, a breach between us, or when there's not fellowship between us, it's because somebody's not walking in the light. Think about that for a second. Because if we walk in the light, we have fellowship one with another. When we walk in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And that's the kind of fellowship we want to talk about today. That's a word of prayer, and then we'll begin. Father, would you bless us? Lord, <clears throat> we need your wisdom. We need your help. We need you to work in hearts and lives if we're to uh, get anything from you today. Now, Lord, <clears throat> we can't, but you can. Would you help us today, and would you bless this time together in Jesus' precious name? Amen. All right, so <clears throat> why do we need fellowship? Well, first of all, because we're not of the world. We're not of this world. Uh, John 15, verse 19 says, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. You're not of the world. And you say, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm not of the world. Well, you live in the world, don't you? Uh, you know, you work in the world. You go to school in the world. You, uh, <clears throat> you may live with unsaved family. You live in the world. 
But the problem for you is that you're not of the world. You see, here's, here's what happened. I, I used to be of the world. And then one day I got saved. I got born again by faith in Jesus Christ. And I was no longer of the world. He adopted of the world. You don't belong in the world. Now you say, but I have to operate in the world. I, I have to live in the world. I, I, I have to get on with my job and I have to do all the things I've got to do. You know, <clears throat> what do you mean I'm not of the world? Well, here's the thought. You're, you're kind of like a diver. Now a diver can operate underwater <laughs> as long as he has oxygen. But sooner or later, his oxygen is going to run out and he has to come back to the surface and get more oxygen because he's not off the water. He might look like a fish with his flippers on and his tank on and his mask on, right? but he's not. Uh, he's, he's, he, he's a different entity uh, entirely. He doesn't belong in the water. And sooner or later, he must come up for air. You're not of the world. Sooner or later, you have to come up for air. You have to have fellowship with other believers. You have to come. It's just who you are. It's what you are. You're, you're different from the world around you. You, you have to do it. First John 2.15 says, uh, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father uh, is not in him. Same thought again there. You're not supposed to love the world. You're supposed to recognize, you know what? I, I, I have to live in the world. I have to operate in the world. I have to work in the world. I have to do all these things in the world. But I'm not of the world. It's not my home. It's not where I live. It's, it's, it's not who I am. You know, yesterday I had a <clears throat> bit of an eye-opener uh, <clears throat> in a parade. Being a pastor has its problems, but it also has its blessings. One of the blessings of being a pastor is I don't have to go and work in the world in a regular job and kind of <clears throat> uh, work with people that see things completely differently. Uh, and it's kind of nice. And In some ways, you know, I get to spend my time with the Lord and with other believers, and it's kind of, it's kind of a, a nice place to be. Yesterday, went into the, um, save the 8th. Uh, march right and um, we went through the uh march and then we left and i'm still carrying my little my little placard you know feeling good about myself because i'm carrying my little placard and and this lady comes up to me and says to me why are you carrying that now she was a younger woman and uh she comes up and she says why are you carrying that and i said well i've just been in the parade and she says what gives you the right to tell me what goes on in my body I go, whoa, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. And she was, listen, she was instantly mad at me because of, of my placard. Uh, and I said, well, well, babies have rights too, but she wasn't interested in an answer. She said, nobody tells me what to do with my body. And she went on, she, she stormed off uh, in a rage. You know, and I, what was I, I was facing the world there. I was facing a different way of looking at it. By the way, the parade was kind of the world too. I mean, there's a lot of Hail Marys and a lot of uh, statues being toted around in that parade that didn't make me feel any more comfortable. And you see, what I got to feel yesterday, you know, I don't belong here. Now look, I'm glad I was there. I think anybody who went there, well done. Uh, we need to be bodies that stand on the street and say, you know what, uh, not in our country. We don't, we don't want this. And we need to stand together with whoever will stand uh, and say we don't want this. But you know what the reality is? We're not of the world. No. Many of you live, live and work in worlds that <clears throat> I'm not familiar with, and you work in jobs, and you're constantly faced with the reality of the world, and it kind of erodes you, and it works. And the problem is, you've got to recognize basic truth about me. I'm not of the world. I'm just not. I may live in the world. I may work in the world. I may be a good employee, a good student. I may have a family that are not saved. I'm, I may seek to be the best person I can in that family, but I'm not of the world. And sooner or later, 
I've got to, like the diver, I've got to come up for air. I need fellowship. I need to be around other believers. You know, I've heard, I've heard believers say, well, I don't need church. I, I can manage on my own, just me and God. Well, I beg to differ with you. No, you need church. You need other, other believers. You need to come up for air. You need to breathe uh, the fellowship of other believers. You, that, that's part of what you need. Now, secondly, we're not of the world, but we are social creatures. We want to belong. Don't we? All of us want to belong. All of us want to belong to something. All of us want to feel we have a group of people that are ours, that we connect with, that we identify with, that there are people. We want that. We just need that. Right? You see, so, and here's the danger for the believer who says, well, I don't need the fellowship of other believers. I can manage on my own. Well, the problem and the danger for you is that eventually you succumb. Because remember, you have two natures in you. You have a new nature that Jesus put there when you got saved, but you also have a sin nature in you, don't you? You have a sin nature, and it's still there. And you know, you can feed your sin nature, and sometimes you see a believer, and they don't even look like a believer. You know, they're not living like a believer. What's happened is they've succumbed. They've gotten sucked back in uh, to the world. They're living in the old nature now, not, not in the new nature. And you see, <clears throat> we need a people that we identify with. We need a group that's our group. We need a people that are our people. Now, Jesus, when he, before he went to the cross, before <clears throat> in John chapter 13, before you've got John 14, John 15, and John 16, all those rich chapters where he's teaching the disciples uh, about <clears throat> the wonderful things that he was going to do for them. Uh, but as he's going to the cross, as he's about to leave them, as he's about to depart from them, the greatest teacher in the world uh, <clears throat> has been teaching these guys, and they haven't gotten it. They have no idea what's about to happen. Right? And he teaches them a new truth. Now, at this stage, these guys, you would expect he would give them something solid, something actionable, something they could kind of uh, get their teeth around and do, something that was really important. You know, if you were there and you knew what was going to happen in the next few days, and Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new commandment, you, you, you'd have your ears wide open, you'd be ready to write it down, uh, you'd be looking to hear what he was going to say. And here's what he says. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Now, that's not what I would have expected if I was there. I would have expected some help with the program of building the church. I would have expected some uh, help with living the Christian life. But he says, I want you to love one another. Why? Because they needed a people. They needed a place where they were loved and cared for and accepted. He was about to go. It was going to get rough. He was about to leave them. And he says, you will need to love one another. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> let, let me ask you a question here. Do you think it was easy, Jesus says, as, as I have loved you? Do you think it was always easy for Jesus to love the disciples? Don't just sometimes read some of the things they did and sympathize with Jesus and say, oh, listen, you, you had a rough deal having to put up with those guys. Don't you sometimes read things and, uh, and you sympathize with them? You know, <clears throat> when he's out and he's teaching the guys about the leaven of the Pharisees and they're saying, oh, it's because we didn't bring any bread. We forgot the bread. And you're thinking, guys, what planet are you on? <clears throat> and, I, you know, again and again, Jesus is interacting with them and it must have been frustrating. But he always loved them. 
He always loved them. And he says, we're supposed to love one another as he loved us. So there's supposed to be a love bond about our fellowship that goes really deep. And you say, well, that's all right, Pastor, but we're so different. We're talking about this in Sunday school. We have... We have people from every economic strata. We have people from many countries of the world. We have people from different nations, different races. And we're supposed to love each other? That's, that's kind of a tall order. Mm-hmm. It is a tall order. And if you'd been left to do it by yourself, it would be impossible. In fact, if we were left to do it by ourselves, you'd probably f- never find a group gathered like this. But you know what? He tells us, I want you to love one another. And when God tells you to do something, he makes it possible. Jesus is going to tell them in chapter 14 about the Spirit and about the power of the Spirit in their lives, and they're going to come to the place where they can actually do what he's telling them to do. Do you realize it's possible for you to love as Jesus loved? Do you realize it's possible to love people that are different from you? Do you realize it's possible to love people that normally would bother you people that would maybe get in your nerves people that could cut across your plans and your way it's possible for you to love them in fact it's not only possible it's commanded he wants you to love them so we're going to grapple with this thing because it's too easy for us to let ourselves kind of out the side angle of this and say, oh, yeah, well, you know what? There's certain people in the church, you know, I kind of get on with them and I like them. And listen, that's great. I'm, I hope you have some people that uh, <clears throat> you get on with, but there are other people in the, uh, I don't want to be around them because you know what? No. He says we're supposed to love one another. This is supposed to be a place where you walk in under the bond of love. This is supposed to be we talked about this in terms of the family. This is supposed to be a place where there's an oasis. And the oasis is that place in the desert where everything else is dry and thirsty and, and um, <clears throat> lacks life. But you come to the oasis, and the oasis has got water. And because it's got water, it's got life, and it's safe, and it's a good place to be. Lifegate Bible Baptist Church is supposed to be an oasis in a dry and thirsty land. It's supposed to be a place that you come to and you feel safe. It's supposed to be a place that you come to and you're comfortable. It's supposed to be an oasis for you. Now, again, it's always easy for us to say, well, you know what? If that other guy would just take care of me the way he's supposed to take care of me, this would be an oasis already. But, you know, that's a pointless exercise. The only one you have the ability to change is you. And what you've got to do is you've got to say, well, what can I do? to make this an oasis. You see, we're social creatures. We want to belong. And Jesus said, here's where you belong. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Right? Okay. Then the church is given of God as a place to belong. The church is to be a place of love. It's to be a place where we love one another. Right? Now what's the problem with the church? Well, the people are the problem with the church, aren't they? (laughs) We're the problem with the church. In fact, Christians are the problem with the church. Uh, In fact, we get on each other's nerves sometimes, don't we? We bother each other sometimes. 
And sometimes it feels like people are getting on your last nerve, aren't they? Uh, feels like <clears throat> feels like they're causing you trouble and they're they're, they're making making it difficult for you. And um, <clears throat> but the church is to be a place of love. The church is to be a place where we love each other, where we care for each other. Remember the story of the uh, uh, the man whose baggage got lost in transit. He was on a plane. His baggage got lost, and he had an important appointment to make. And he was he was furious. He was just. Uh, he was just—he he felt like the whole airline <clears throat> had, had had dropped the ball on him, and no, he he was having a bad day. He felt like the whole world was against him. So he stands in the line, uh, trying to get his luggage sorted out. And there's a long line of people in front of him, and the the longer he waits, the angrier he gets. He is just fed up. Uh, nobody's looking after him. Nobody's taking care of him. Uh, his nerves are ragged and frayed. And finally, uh, he gets to the lady at the desk. Of course, she's been there all morning. Uh, she's had people railing on her and giving out to her and, and telling her uh, how dreadful it is that her airline uh, has lost their bags. And she's just fed up, too. She's, she's on her last nerve, too. So they're both on their last nerve now, right? And um, so he comes to, to it, and he just cuts loose. Finally, he's found somebody. The world, the airline, everybody's against him. And finally, he's found somebody he can cut loose on, and he lets her have it good. And she just calmly looks at him, and she says to him, Mr., there's two people in this airport that care about your bag, and one of them is rapidly losing interest. <laughs> they, they were getting on each other's nerves. Right? We get on each other's nerves. We cause each other pain sometimes. We, we, we just make it difficult. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, are there going to be difficulties? Yeah. Are there going to be problems? Yeah. But you know what? There's a command and there's a power to actually overcome those difficulties. Now, <clears throat> look at our text, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. It's <clears throat> uh, about love here. Charity is the word love there. And... <clears throat> This is our picture of love, what love would look like. First of all, it says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Do you know that there are people in the church that you're going to have to say to yourself, you know what? They're not exactly my cup of tea. But I'm going to bear with them. In fact, do you know that in any relationship you have to bear with you can't be married for any length of time. You can't tell young people who are about to get married this. They, they, they won't understand it. But you can't be married for any length of time and not learn to bear with the other person. Because if you fight every fight out, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be doing a lot of fighting. You know, sometimes you're just going to have to... Because you know what? You have one plan. The other person has another plan. And you know what? You can come to blows unless you say, look, that's just the way they are. It's okay. I can live with that. I can't be about everything. You can't do that about everything. But there are certain things we just got to say that. Right? And you got to suffer long. But notice what it says. Suffer long and is kind. It's not suffer long and is narky, irritable, bothered, and kind of lets them have it every time you get the opportunity. No. Uh, you got to suffer long and you got to be kind. You got to be sweet about it. You know, we all act very tough. But we're all very fragile, aren't we? Now, in our inner person in the quiet of our we're all, we're all very fragile and harsh words can cut us harsh words can actually cause us great pain the old story sticks and stones may break my bones but names will never hurt me that was just being tough so the other kids would give up the reality is 
words can do much more damage than stones. Most bones will heal in a month or two. You've got words in your head that people spoke to you a long, long time ago, and they're still in there because <clears throat> words hurt. Well, charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. But we're supposed to envy each other. We're supposed to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. We're supposed to actually um, <clears throat> you know, be blessed for each other. And, and, and the way that works is, you know, if you get a blessing in your life, I'm supposed to be happy for your blessing. If I get a blessing in my life, you're supposed to be happy for my blessing. And we're not always, are we? We have a kind of little nature in there that kind of sometimes makes us, uh, you know, bothered and irritated. And we're not happy for other people. We're not happy for them to get blessed, especially if we're not getting blessed. But no, I'm not supposed to envy other people. Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. Let's take those two together. You know, love doesn't put self forward. Love's not about number one. Love's not about me. You know, you know, in fact, if I want to love in a biblical way, I have to die. I, I have to die to me. Now, listen, God gives me a much better life uh, than the life I give up. But I've got I've to die to me. I've got to die to my way and what I want and uh, what makes me happy and what pleases me. That's one of the secrets of marriage, isn't it? That you come to the place where you, you, you're no longer all out for you. You, you, you want the other person to be blessed and the other person to be helped. You know, but even in the church here, you can't put yourself forward. It can't be about you. If, if, if it's always about you, then you know what? There's always going to be trouble. You see, our problem with the, <clears throat> with the girl at the desk and our man who lost his bag is it was all about him and it was all about her. And you know what? There was going to be war. And so often in life, that's where we are. And even in the church. The, the Bible says this, that only by pride cometh contention. That's interesting to me. You know, if it said by pride comes contention, I'd have said, yeah, probably. But the Bible, which is the word of God, says only by pride cometh contention. That You only have contention where you have pride. In other words, you only have, somebody has to get proud for there to be a realm. Somebody has to get proud. Only by pride cometh contention. And it's always this putting forward of ourselves, this making ourselves number one, this uh, getting puffed up about I'm not getting what I deserve, that causes problems. Our charity doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. It doesn't behave itself unseemly, it's courteous. It looks out for the other person and tries to help the other person. It's not, it's, it's not going my own way and doing my own thing. I don't care what it costs you. No, no, that's the caring for the other person. Uh, seeketh not our own. Is not easily provoked. Love is not easily provoked. You can't get love angry easily. We get angry easily, you know what? There's a problem there. Love thinketh no evil. How often do we look at the other person and we imagine what they've done or what they've said or how they feel about us, and we end up thinking evil about them. And you know, so often it's just not true. I, I find a couple of truths that are, that are helpful there. First of all, people don't spend that much time thinking about you at all. Right? They're too busy with their own stuff uh, to spend time thinking about you. And secondly, when they do think about you, they usually don't think about you as badly as you might think they do. If you keep those two thoughts in your head, then they will help you, right? <clears throat> rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, 
believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Do you know that love wants to believe in people? Love, love doesn't want to write people off. Love doesn't want to cut people down. Love wants to believe it. It hopes. And it, it, you know, it goes as far as it possibly can. That's the way love is. You see, we're supposed to love one another. That's a tall order. Now we can talk about it because we, you know, we know, but the, the truth is it's a tall order. But do you know there's nothing like love to change things? Not the love somebody else to bring, brings to you, but the love that you bring to the situation. Some of you watch the film about the bridge on the River Kwai. In, in that film, there's a scene, and it's a dreadful scene. Right? And um, they're, they're commanding up. These are prisoners of war. They're uh, supposed to be building this bridge. They're, um, they, they're totally demoralized. They, 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 they've been put in this camp. They've been, um, you know, told they're... they're, they're uh, told they're nothing, they're just supposed to work, they're supposed to do what they're told, and they've gone from the place where they were living on hatred to the place where even the hatred has gone, and they're just living in grim determination because they're so demoralized and depressed. And then one day the commanding officer gets really angry because in the count, the tool count, one of the shovels is missing. And he asks, who, who stole the shovel? And he says he's going to kill them all if somebody doesn't if the person who stole the shovel doesn't come forward. And finally, one man steps forward and says, I stole the shovel. And so he proceeds to kill him on the spot. He actually beats him to death. And then they count the shovels again, and they realize no shovel was missing. It was just a miscount. And everybody begins to realize, you know what? Somebody, completely innocent, stepped out and to protect us... He gave his life. He, he stepped out and, and loved us enough to give his life. And it began to change the camp. They were so demoralized they didn't care about each other. They were so demoralized that, uh, you know, if somebody was sick and dying, they would almost ignore them. But you know what happened? And that, now they began to care about each other. Now things began to change for them. Now they began to look at the situation differently. So much so that when the Allies came through and released them and their, 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 their captors were now their captives and they could really have done what they liked with them, they, they said this, they said, no hate. Enough hate. We don't want any, any more hate. You see, because love changes things. Now, it's not somebody else loving me. It's me allowing somebody's love through me to change things. You see, we're those people. We have a Savior that died for us. We have one that hung on a cross and paid the price for our sin and that loved us. And because he loved me, I now have love to love others with. I have to give. It changes me. Sometimes I think we don't realize that what's happened for us. I honestly think in Matthew chapter 18, the guy who's uh, forgiven much and he goes out and puts his other, he, he, the guy who owes him a small amount in prison, I really believe the problem was he didn't, he didn't kind of get it. He didn't understand. No, you've been forgiven everything. And when we realize that we've been loved and forgiven so much more than anything that he's ever done on us, it works in our hearts, a desire to forgive too. A desire to let go, a desire to love other people.
Right, so what will that look like in your life? How will that look in your life? Let, let, me, let me give you uh, some things about real fellowship that I think will be a help to you. First of all, offer each other the gift of acceptance. Don't you long for acceptance? Don't you long for a place where you're okay? Where you're not scrutinized and criticized and torn down? And uh, Don't you long for a place like that? All of us do. See, we need it. Because, you know, we don't belong in the world, and we know that. <clears throat> From time to time, the world reminds us of that. But you know what? When it comes to the church, offer each other the gift of acceptance. You're okay. We need that. Offer each other the gift of acceptance. Secondly, don't be the judge of your brother or your sister. Now, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I suppose it's, it's true of all humanity. <clears throat> but when it comes to the church of the living God, when it comes to uh, Christians, we can be the most judgmental people on the planet. And <clears throat> the reason we judge is because everybody's not like us. Do you really want everybody to be like you, by the way? I, I don't think it would be a good idea if everybody was like me. It would be a pretty, pretty, pretty drab world if everybody was like me. Uh, and they probably don't need to be all like you either. But, but we judge people. We judge people on everything. We judge people on how they look. We judge them on their, uh, their manner. of. We judge them on their way of relating to people. We judge them on uh, the level of their Christianity. We judge them on the craziest things. Listen, don't be the judge of your brother and sister. There are times when within the church we need to exercise what's called discipline. Well, that's a whole different thing. It's never a witch hunt. It's never looking to find fault with each other. We accept one another. We love each other. That, that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, offer each other the gift of acceptance and don't be the judge of your brother or sister. And then leave your pride outside the door. And, and let me say this. Both I and you, we all got pride. We all got pride. For the craziest reasons. A proud Christian is the craziest thing in the world, and yet we got pride. Do you realize that you and I owe our existence uh, to a man who hung on a cross and bled his life out for us? Do you realize that? I mean, what have we got to be proud of? I was such a wicked sinner, I was headed for hell, and Jesus saved me. But you know, we can get proud. We get proud and uh, we want to be treated in a certain way and we want people to look to us in a certain way and we want, you know, uh, no, 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 leave it outside the door. You know, <clears throat> only by pride comes contention. Can it, forget it, deal with it, leave it out there. D, bear one another's burdens. Here's the thing, if you, you and I can love each other, and can begin to understand, you know what? He's got a burden. She's got a burden she's carrying. She's got a weight on her shoulders. He's struggling with this. And we begin to help each other bear our burdens. We stop looking at each other with that critical eye and we start trying to help one another. And it's easy for us to look at the, <clears throat> have the critical eye, but when we start seeing other people and bearing their burdens, you know what? We're not so critical of them anymore. Bear one another's burdens. Scriptural command. E, encourage one another in the Lord. Just take time to encourage one another. You know one of the reasons for coming to church, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10, is 
to encourage one another. Not just to get, but to encourage one another. Which, you know, you, you probably need to ask the Lord, Lord, who do I need to encourage? But I'll guarantee you there are people in this room that desperately need encouraging. Now, typically we don't bleed all over each other all the time, you know, because that's not acceptable and you get a, get a bad name for that. But you know what? There would be people in this room that could do with a word of encouragement and the Lord would use you as the minister to actually help them. Encourage one another in the Lord. <clears throat> and then finally... And we'll close with this. Pray for each other. Do you know that we're all in the one battle? We all have the one enemy. We don't battle against each other. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have an enemy. And in Ephesians chapter 6, one of the parts of the armor is that we pray for each other. That we ask God's blessing on each other. That we bring each other before the throne of grace. That we maybe ask each other from time to time, you got anything you need me to pray for? That we actually pray for each other. You see, God wants us to have a sweet fellowship together. He wants us to be a blessing to each other. He wants this to be an oasis where you and I come and look forward to coming and we get built up and we're safe. You know the idea of your home? The idea of your home is a place where it's, a, where it's an oasis in the desert. You're supposed to be able to go home, put your back against the wall and say, Oh, I'm home. I'm safe. Nobody's picking on me. Nobody's trying to make life difficult for me. I'm home. I'm safe. That's important for you to keep in your home. You know the same is true of the church? You're supposed to come here and it's supposed to be safe. It's supposed to be a good place. It's supposed to be a place where we can have fellowship one with another. And we can be a comfort and a blessing to each other. Now, <clears throat> I know you're saying, yeah, but there's this and this and I understand. You know, we're not going to get all those things sorted out. And you're not going to get other people sorted out. But you know what you can do? You can say, you know what, Lord? I'm me. I'm only one person. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to offer the gift of acceptance. I'm going to stop judging my brethren. I'm going to leave my pride outside the door. I'm going to bear somebody else's burden. And I'm going to encourage somebody. And I'm going to pray for somebody. And I guarantee you, you will help change somebody else's life. And you will change your own. You see, when God told us to love each other, when the Lord Jesus Christ told us to love one another, he, he was not telling us, you know, to just make each other happy. He was asking us to do the hardest thing for a human being to do. The hardest thing with the greatest benefits. He says, love as I have loved you. You can't. But he has loved you. And his power can work through you. And you can love others if you let him. And you know what? This group of people gathered here today, we're not just a dislocated people that come on a Sunday morning, brush off each other, and walk out the door. That's not the plan for the church. The plan for the church is, this is our place. These are our people. We love them, and they love us. And it starts with you. It starts with you 
will you do it? Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Thank you for a Savior that hung on a cross and paid the price for my sin and for the sin of everybody in this room. Oh, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you work in each heart, work in that heart this morning, Lord, that is struggling and that doesn't know you, and Lord, bring them to rest in you, to that place where they trust that what you did on the cross was for them. And Lord, for that one that's struggling today because they don't feel loved and they don't feel cared for, Lord, I pray you'd touch somebody and have them to reach out to them and help them. But Lord, for all of us, would you just move in our hearts and help us, Lord, uh, to love others like you loved us. And Lord, may there be a fellowship that's not just a meal shared. May there be a fellowship, Lord, that begins and that works in our church, and Lord, that draws us close to each other and closer to you. And oh, Lord, may it be a place uh, where we hold you precious and hold each other precious. May it be that oasis in the desert, in Jesus' precious name, amen.